Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 5, Episode 9, for Saturday the 11th of March 2023. And coming up this week, Book 1 in my latest trilogy is locked and loaded and ready to release to ARC readers later in the year. I've started the serious work on Book 3 in my trilogy this week, I'll let you know the latest word count, and I'm back to Twitter ads once again, but for a very good reason. Welcome to the show. First of all, a podcast update. I noticed that my listening figures were really quite low over the weekend. You get a feel for how fast people are going to download. And it was it had dropped off a cliff over the weekend. And it made me think, hmm, I'll just keep an eye on that. And I was watching it through the week. I was wondering if it was something I'd said. But it turns out that this week, my podcast service, which was Anchor, is now it's now been taken over fully by Spotify. So the whole site's changed. And what it seems to have done is it's disrupted the RSS feed, which is how you get your podcasts every week automatically. And it was notably Apple. So I know I um, went in on Thursday, realized on Thursday, updated it, and hopefully it should be back to normal this week. And I've noticed looking at the uh, download count on my phone that we're getting much closer to where it should be now for for last week's episode. So I, I think there was an interruption there by the looks of it. Apologies if you didn't get your usual episode on the usual day. So let's get on with the writing news then. This is what you're here for, the writing updates. And I can tell you that on Monday of this week, I've, I've now got tucked in properly to book three in my trilogy. So Monday, I wrote 4,824 words. On Tuesday, I wrote 4,644 words. And on Wednesday, 4,748 words. So my total word count for this week was 14,216. I've got 21,435 words written of the trilogy, which means on Monday, I'll break the third of the way through point. And I've got 53,565 words to go. So it was a bit like squeezing blood out of a stone this week, not on Monday, but on Tuesday and Wednesday. I really struggled and I was trying to work out why I was struggling and I think it's because I've been having uh, difficulty getting into the 1968 scenes and there's a good reason for that. I told you last week that I'd just ha happened upon the story of the headscarf revolutionaries in Hull, the fisher uh, fishermen's wives or uh, women who were involved in some way with the fishing industry and I'd found that as, a, as a, just a backdrop this was going on in Hull in 1968. And I've set where my character who's in these scenes is in what's called Hesel Road in Hull. It's the old uh, fishing industry. It's near St. Andrew's Dock. And I've just decided to set that in a in a fishing background. It doesn't mean anything. It means the character's father died at sea. Um, when we lived in Hull, my wife worked with somebody whose father had died at sea. It was, it was a not a common thing, but it was something that wasn't unexpected uh, when you knew people who'd been hull born and bred. It was just something that happened in a fishing community. So because I've decided to root it in 1968 and I've put it around that kind of fishing community, I think I've got a little bit bogged down in making sure it's authentic. And I'm referring to this book, which very conveniently talks about hull in 1968. And I think that's why it's felt like it's been an effort, because if you listen to book two, if you listen to the writing diary that I recorded for that you'll know that usually I sit down I know what I'm writing over the course of an hour and I get my words out but it has felt really quite slow this week and I think that's because I've got a little bit bogged down in those 1968 scenes 
Now, also, on Tuesday, you'll know that I don't really like having to start work in the afternoons, but that's when my wife works on a Tuesday. So I almost chickened out of writing on Tuesday. I almost, because I've got so much time, I almost thought, oh, I'll shuffle things around. It'll be okay on Tuesday. But I didn't. I decided to just sit down, you know, butt in chair, get on with it, do the writing. And surprise, surprise, as ever, the words got done. And then having got the words done, I was really pleased that I did that. But I, I must say, I much prefer my writing on the Mondays and the Wednesdays when I'm starting first thing in the morning. That is much more my sweet spot as an author for doing the writing. So yeah, a bit, bit of a difficult week this week. And, and I also know that those 1968 scenes are not quite right. And, and interestingly, on Twitter today, I saw that Pro Writing Aid had put a little post up. And this absolutely applies to me this week with those scenes. So it says, reminder to myself about the process of drafting and revising. First drafts are for making it exist. That's exactly what I did with those 1968 scenes. I pushed through it and I made sure the scene exists for my benefit. And then the tweet goes on to say, second drafts are for making it functional. Third drafts are for making it effective. Now, usually my drafts go to functional. I think. So I, I'm, I'm usually pretty focused on the writing. You'll have heard this if you listen to those writing diaries, that when, when I hear people say, oh, you know, my first draft's a complete mess. My first draft isn't a complete mess. Um, it's, I would say it's functional. My first, my first drafts are always functional. So on that list, I usually skip to the, the second point, but I really feel that this week, there are chapters there that are very much first drafts, very much me making it exist in my own mind. And I know I'm going to have to go back at second draft stage and work through those with a fine tooth comb and put those right. So, yeah, a little bit of a bit of a struggle with the writing this week. But as ever, I'm absolutely delighted it got done. So last week I got uh, four chapters done. This week I got nine chapters done. I'll get another nine chapters done next week. And then we're off to Lisbon for a week. So I got a kind of week off, which will be quite uh, nice. So editing as well. Obviously, I'm chugging along the editing at the same time with this on book one. So book one, Taken on Trust, that is now ARC ready edited. If you're new to self-publishing, ARC, A-R-C, stands for Advanced Reader Copy. So this is the copy of the book that you send out to uh, readers who are predisposed to like your work and then they will get back to you. They'll tell you if they spotted any plot holes, if they caught any sort of grammar, punctuation, spelling errors. It's really just a last minute check to make sure the book is good to release. I've asked, or I will be asking my art readers to do just one or two sensitivity checks in there as well that I want to do pre-release. And, um, you know, and that, and that will be very handy. And I think I got about, I think it's 20 art readers off the top of my head. I think the current list is 20 art readers. I added another one the other day, actually. And my art readers, uh, you, you may disagree with this, but with my art readers, what, what I want with art readers is people who can read uh, critically, I don't want somebody to just get a free book and say, oh, it was great. I, I, you know, I need, I want more than that. That's not, not what I'm looking for. Uh, but what I want is I want people who like my books, who have enjoyed my books and would count themselves as inverted commas, uh, fans of my books, because those people can tell me if it's not 
like the usual kind of book I'd write or it's not really what they enjoyed this time around you know if I've gone off piste with the book but also they're critical enough to mention things like spelling mistakes things they didn't understand they're happy to point things out to me I do not want somebody who just gets back to me and says yeah it was great thanks I'm not interested in that I am when it comes to reviews but I'm not when it's uh, art readers you know I need some uh, critique when we're at an art level and all those people now I've because I've got um, I've had that team for quite a while actually I've whittled out the people who don't really give me any value as an art reader. I, I'd say I've got a really good, strong team of art readers at the moment. So after talking to you on last week's podcast, I've decided to start to release those ARC copies earlier. So uh, book one at the moment, uh, ARC copy, is penciled in for release on the 5th of June. Book two is penciled in for Monday the 3rd of July and book three is penciled in for Monday the 7th of August and that allows everybody to have plenty of time to read it. I'd, I'll give them a month to read it basically and then you know, get back to me and then I'll make all the changes. I tend to make the changes as they come in. It's much more manageable like that. But what I, what I needed to do is I don't want to be releasing the art copies before I've got book three written and sent off basically so you know I might I might I might just bump those dates by one month I'm not sure when I was talking to you last week it felt like I was released a little bit late but we'll see how the writing goes we'll see how book three goes hopefully these struggles won't continue and I'll get in my flow but um, those are the penciled in dates at the moment and we'll see how how things go the great thing is is that the first book isn't released till uh, the 2nd of October that's way off way way off at the moment and in, in actual fact, if push came to shove, I just release it a month later. It, really, I've only committed at the point when I put the books on pre-sale. That's when I have to commit to a date. That, that's when I, this will sort of be you know, bound in stone or cut in stone. So uh, at the moment, these are just uh, you know, penciled in dates. Uh, I think I really want to know that book three is done and sorted before I commit to putting things up for pre-sale. I can't put things up for pre-sale until I've got the covers and I haven't ordered the covers until I know I'm on top of book three so you've got all these dependencies uh, when you're writing a trilogy like this so you know it's going to be June July that I make the arcs uh, available but what I what I'm saying to you is this week book one has been edited it's been edited by Claire I've gone through Claire's edits I've read it a last time I've made some very minor adjustments to it some of the little plot steers that I just needed to sort out now I'm writing the rest of the books just little details that I've needed to change uh, but I, I've now got the finished version of that book I put it into vellum I exported it I've put it into book funnel and I could today send that out to art readers if I, if I wanted to but obviously I'm not going to yet and the reason I don't want to send it out just yet is because as usual my trilogies always end on a cliffhanger the whole point is I want you to buy the next book in the trilogy so they end on cliffhangers. Book two ends on a really big cliffhanger. Um, I don't want to leave them dangling too long. So I don't want to send them book one now and then not send them book two for another three months. So to be fair to the ARC readers, um, they actually have fed back to me too and said they like a, a period of about a month between the books. So that's what I will do when I release them. Now, book three is planned. And by planned, I mean I've gone through all the 46, 45 chapters, 45 chapters, and every chapter has a note about what happens in it. So it's not uh, uh, planned in, in great uh, detail, but I know what's happening throughout the book now, and I know how we get to the 
to the end of the book. And I might, at book three stage, I'd, I'd probably just keep it a little bit more flexible. So what I've been doing at the moment is with the chapters that I wrote this week, over the weekend, I, I fine-tuned them. So I, I did the detailed planning on them. And that's what I think I'm going to do this weekend. The nine chapters I'm writing next week, I'll put the detail on them. Now I've written the first nine chapters because there's, there's a lot there's a, a lot to manage in the third book of a trilogy. My head's all over the place. So I, I'm having to be thinking about what's been going on in all the books, all the clues that I've dropped, and I need to be tying it all together. And you need to, I, I call it slow release solutions in the book it's i'm slow releasing the solutions but i still have to build to a crescendo so i can start to to tell you things now in book three i can start to release uh, information rather than in books one and two i'm just kind of teasing you all the way and, and just building up all these mysteries i can let them go in book three but i do have to make sure that i still build to this big crescendo at the end or the arc of the book isn't going to work for the reader so yeah, it's planned. I'm going to proceed now writing at the rate of nine chapters every week. So that's for now. Uh, that's next week. Then we've got a week break for Lisbon, then another three weeks until the 12th of April. And then that book will be written in first draft form. And now book three is planned. Next week, I start editing book two. You can see how I get frazzled, even though I, I, I could create a, a much longer timeline on this in, in in many respects it's pain i think that's probably worth coming with a trilogy in, in that you do need to keep the whole thing in your head I, I i prefer i think to keep it at top of mind and just work through the books like this i don't i can't really find an easier way of doing it because otherwise you just have to keep rereading the books to, to remind yourself what's happened i've got notes about what happens in each book but you know i i think just I think it's just a curse of the trilogies really you just keep juggling them all together certainly when you're trying to release them one after the other so with book two editing the plan now is that on monday tuesday wednesday i will be writing and then thursday friday saturday sunday whenever i've got time in the day i will do uh, five chapters of book two to edit i don't like to do too much editing i don't enjoy editing so what i've learned is that it's better Again, slow release. It's better just doing five chapters a day. My concentration and energy remains high with that on a job I don't particularly like. But if uh, what I used to do in the old days, I just used to keep going at it and going at it, and then uh, you know my eyes would glaze over and I get bored with it. It's much better doing it five chapters at a time. It keeps me fresh, keeps me alert, and I'm I'm kind of working hard and I'm engaged during that time. But after that, I'm not really interested. I've had enough of editing, so I do definitely need to do it in bite-sized chunks. So I'd quite like to have the book two edits done by the 13th of April. So if you're very observant and attentive to this, I wanted to get book three written by the 12th of April, and I wanted to get book two edited by the 13th of April. And the reason for that is that uh, it's our wedding anniversary on the 14th of April. So I don't want to, I don't want to work on the 14th of April. We'll go off and have some fun on that day. And then Claire Cronshaw is expecting that book by Saturday, the 15th of April. So I got over a month to do that. That's plenty of time to go through that book. And the other thing of course is with book two is as, I, as I've got uh, 15 chapters done, I will start to release it in 15 chapter chunks for my wife to go through and then uh, I will edit it my wife will read it I'll make her changes I will give it a quick uh, sort of you know read through I'll do the old word 
and Grammarly checks to make sure I've not missed anything, and then it will get passed on to Claire Croncher for her edit on Saturday the 15th of April. So it's like a sausage factory. We've got lots of sausages kind of chugging along uh, in the machines, and then all these all these books will pop out, you know, and be ready at the right time. But it feel it felt very nice as a as a finisher completer. It felt very nice for me to be finished with book one, to have it in a file that I could today send to art readers. That's so it's finished. It's done. I'm not messing around at the edges. It's sorted, and now I could just focus on books two and three. So I, I do prefer that that sharp focus. So that's my writing and editing update. Let's move on to marketing. And in a surprise move, I tease this in the headlines, I've gone back to Twitter ads this week. There's a very good reason for it. I have very low expectations of them working, but I kind of have to do it. So the reason that I ended up writing the Morecambe Bay series was we have a television series in the UK on ITV called The Bay, and it's set around Morecambe Bay, which is just an hour's drive down the road from me. It's where I went to college. We, my wife and I, we got married uh, in Lancaster. It's where we lived for years. So we know the area really well. And when I was watching the bay on the TV, it brought all those kind of memories back of our time in, in Morecambe. And that's where I got the idea for the first story or the location for the first story. And so obviously that, that series now is a nine book series, three trilogies, nine books. So although it's not like the bay, if you like the Bay on television, then I'm pretty sure you would be interested in the books that I've written because it's the same sort of thing. It's, you know, police, mysteries, murders, all sorts of things with the backdrop of Morecambe Bay in terms of the setting. So the Bay season four started on ITV this week. I'm watching it, of course, and enjoying it as I always do. And viewers of the Bay are my perfect audience, but I can't target them on Facebook. Interestingly, there is some other program, which uh, those of you who live in the US will probably be aware of, called The Bay, but that's the wrong bay. I need the UK bay, but it's, it's, I can't find it anywhere. I can't get any way into it on Facebook because that, I'd be all over that if I could. There's not even a, a proper fan page or anything like that that I can target in terms of my ads. So, however, on Twitter, there is a hashtag, a well-established hashtag, which is hashtag the bay. And that's where all the actors go and people who've watched it and passing comment on it. That's what everybody's using. So I'm with my campaign going to try and target hashtag the bay. So I've set up a seven day campaign on Twitter. What I've done is I've set up a 99 pence countdown deal on Morecambe Bay box set one. So uh, it, it, because it's a countdown deal, I think I, do I take slightly more of the money? I think I do. It doesn't matter anyway. I've, I've done it on Walker Bay 1. So if people read that and enjoy it, I could then sell to the Walker Bay 2, Walker Bay box set 3 for full price. So it's seven days. It's the duration of the Kindle countdown deal. On Twitter, I've targeted the UK female 35 plus. I've targeted four of the actors in the series who are very kind of active on Twitter, plus the hashtag, hashtag the bay. And I've set a budget of five pounds per day. So worst case scenario, I write off 35 quid and make no sales. Now, I just feel like with the bay being on television for the next six weeks, 
I've kind of got to do something. I've got to do something to try and get to that audience. So what I will do is I'll monitor it for the next week, see how it goes. If I do find, now I've got tracking links on it now. This is the other thing to mention. I've put an Amazon, they're not called tracking links on Amazon. What are they called? You know the ones I mean. I, I, so I can see, and I probably, to be fair, I probably won't get the data on this within seven days. It will probably come after seven days, but I, I'll, I'll get a feel for it, I think, hopefully by the end of the week. We'll see what we're getting in terms of the tracking ad and see if we're making any sales. And if I am, then I will probably ramp that up over the remaining five weeks of the series. But as I say, I don't have high expectations. I've tried Twitter ads before, but I kind of got to try and get into that audience if I can. And that's the only way I know how to do it. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I want to capitalize on TV series interest. It would be crazy not to. In actual fact, I've got a lovely quote from a reader. I can't, I can't remember the precise words, but it, it's basically, um, you know, if you love the bay, this is better than the bay, something, something like that. So I, I ought to use that quote really. But I'll, I'll, um, I'll, tr I'll probably add a, you know, a couple of extra creatives. I've just got one creative, which will run, start running during the Kindle countdown deal when that goes live, and we'll just see how it goes. But as I say, if I start to make sales, if I get activity in it, I'll, I'll ramp it up and create some different um, visual creatives around that. But um, I'll let you know how it goes. But expectations, I should stress, are very low on that. A BookBub update. <laughs> I've been declined more times by BookBub. I don't know why they don't like my thrillers. They've got enough reviews on them and things like that. I really just don't understand their decision-making process because it's like with that 12-pack. If you've got 3,500 reviews on a book, you'd think that it's going to just sell by the bucket load, wouldn't you, if you were BookBub? And I assume they've got affiliate links on it. I really don't understand their their reasoning but whatever anyhow you know we're, we're kind of stuck with it they are the gatekeeper so with bookbub this week Morecambe bay six pack was declined i then submitted the first book in the don't tell meg trilogy as an international deal so that was uk australia and canada only and the reason i did that was literally just to try something different because i know that obviously you make more sales in the US but I just really want to try and get a deal on my thrillers so I thought well that's okay let's try a different track in the LP rather than the same old track on, on the record player and so I'm trying uh, you know this kind of cheaper deals just to see if I can sneak one through that way so don't tell Meg's been rejected I haven't submitted a new one just yet because I think I'm almost running out of books I've submitted so many and had them rejected I, I think I've got to wait to get through the um, the month waiting period that you have to do. So I'll come and have a look at that probably after I've edited the podcast and then submit another one and just keep submitting and submitting and submitting until hopefully we have a breakthrough. It's been the Smashwords read an ebook sale this week. Can't say that I've sort of noticed any sales on Smashwords, but I do have all my books listed on that. And if somebody's running a sale, you might as well jump on board and see if you make any cash from it. I don't know whether I'm supposed to be promoting or not. I mean, I haven't promoted it to anybody. I'm just kind of hoping that I might get some benefit at some point from uh, increased traffic to Smashwords. I've never done one before, but say it makes sense to be in it. An update about Amazon followers. Now, I told you that uh, we've, we've all been kind of looking at this free website to get our Amazon followers. But this week, uh, Jerry Evanoff dropped me a line. Amelia D. Hay dropped me a line to tell me this, and I spotted it also on Twitter. 
an update to this is it seems now that if you go to your Amazon author console, you can now actually see your followers. So, you know, we get this breakthrough with our follower counts and then Amazon releases it to us anyway. And people have been talking about this on Twitter this week. Lindsay Baroka has been talking about it on Twitter and Matthew J. Holmes has been talking about it on Twitter. So you don't need to look at the software that I was telling you about previously. You could now just go to your Amazon author console. It will tell you what your follower account is. Now, here's what's really interesting about this. I told you my follower account was 700 and something. And uh, John Cronshaw's uh, follower account was 700 and something. It was about 70 more than mine. Amelia's and Jerry's, I think uh, I think they were, there were sub 100. I can't remember how many were there, but there were sub 100. So we got a rough idea from that piece of software. Now, just to throw the cat among the pigeons, when you go to Amazon to look at your follower count, the numbers are much higher. So my personal follower count now, this is according to the Amazon Author Console, apparently I have 3,283 followers. So that was a nice surprise to me, that's great news. Lindsay Baroka though, so there's me thinking, oh, 3,283, that can't be bad. And then I look at how many followers Lindsay Baroka's got, wait for it, you might wanna sit down for this if, if you're a smaller author like me, 65.4 thousand followers, 65.4 thousand followers. Now you imagine when you release a new book, the notification will go to 65, point four thousand people you can see how important followers are and you know i've noticed that actually the followers that you get on bookbub i've got quite a lot of followers on bookbub now for my thrillers due to the number of um bookbub deals that i've had and i noticed the difference even as a smaller author that when bookbub kind of notifies people that I've got a new book out, I've noticed that that creates a difference. Do so you imagine what having 65,000 followers on BookBub must do for first day sales? It's a kind of self-perpetuating situation. So one minute I'm feeling great about having 3,283 followers, and then I look at Lindsay Baroka's and think, oh, right, okay, I've still got quite a bit to go. <laughs> now, here's probably something that's a bit, little bit more realistic because not only has Lindsay been at it for years, she's a hugely popular author. Matthew J. Holmes posted his wife's numbers. Now, Matthew J. Holmes, I think he's, they're bringing in about $15,000 a month of sales from his wife's books. And her follow account, or that's, it was certainly implied that this was her follow account on Twitter, was 4,086. So she's about 600, 700 more than I've got. Now, again, I can't compare myself to Lindsay Baroka because she's been at it a lot longer than I have. She's got a lot more books than I have. She's a lot bigger author than I have. So I can't really, there's no like with like comparison there, but it does feel like a reasonable comparison to compare myself with Matthew J. Holmes's wife. She's got fewer books than I have in the genre, but she's making uh, more sales. So I felt a little bit better about that by comparison. Now, again, we have to avoid comparisonitis. I'm not beating myself up about Lindsay Broker's numbers. Really what I'm just trying to do is, as I said to you in previous weeks, just get a sense of, of kind of where I sit along with everybody else. I'm just trying to get a, a, a sense of what is a reasonable number of followers for an author uh, at the stage that I'm at and with the number of readers that I've got. So 
If you have a look at your Amazon author console and you're happy to share your numbers, let me know. We'll just get a, a feel, just do a, a rough survey and get a feel for the kind of numbers that we should be achieving. I say should be achieving, that we are achieving in the Amazon author console. Moving on then to other writing related news. I just wanted to update you on Pewik Analytics. Now, this has been quite a long saga because I did apply myself to this this week and I've now got it working on the majority of the sites that I've got. And, but I can't get it working on two. And one of those sites is an important one. It's the paulteague.net site. Now, I, I dug in a little deeper and had a little play and found different ways of putting the code in rather than using the plugin on the WordPress sites. I got a plugin in WordPress called header and footer, which allows me to put the, I think it's JavaScript code. I'm not sure the code um, in a, into my website in a different way. And this is just a nerd alert. It's very brief. Don't worry. A nerd alert to make sure that the code was on the site. I clicked in, in the Chrome browser, right click and view source. Then I did control F to find the unique ID code that I'm putting in on the Pyrrhic analytics. So if you're a little bit nerdy, you'll understand what that is. If, if you don't understand that, just put your fingers in your ear for another minute and go la 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 so you can't hear. So I looked at the source and the tracking is on the site. So the tracking is where it is and I can see it now in the source code, but it's still not reading it on the analytics site. Now I can, I can tell you that I've never had this much problem putting Google Analytics in. So this is a nuisance and it's, it, yeah, it's just a big, it's a nuisance and it shouldn't be happening. I don't know why I'm having problems with this, but I got it on, I can't remember how many sites I've got at the moment. I just got some test sites and things like that. They're not important, but um, I, I, let's just say I got uh, say six sites. I can't remember how many I've got. Um, that means you know four of them it's working fine two of them it's not so about but yeah about about i've got about a 70 percent success rate and i cannot work out why the ones that aren't working aren't working because when i do that view source check the code is correctly visible on the site so i'm a little bit stuck with that but i am getting analytics on self-publishing journeys on on the website for this podcast and I, and I really like those stats. They're just re really at a glance, how many people are looking at my site, on e what, what are the most popular pages, where's the traffic come from? And as a smaller website, that's frankly all I wanna know. So I am gonna persist with Pyrrhic. Uh, I'm persisting more than I normally would with the site because it's, it's annoying me now because it really should be working. I can't work out why it's not. I don't know whether it's clashing with another plugin on the site or something like that. But anyhow, I'm gonna keep pursuing this and try and get it working. I really need it working, you see. I don't really care about the other sites, but I really would like it working on my two main business sites, which are self-publishing journeys and paulteague.net, which is my author site. So paulteague.net remains my pain point with this and I'll keep pushing and try and get it working on that site before I, I, I give up with it. Another site that I have mentioned to you that I've had to give up with this week is PublishWide. So this is really frustrating actually because PublishWide looks like it's exactly what I wanted, which is um, a site that collates your Amazon ads, your Facebook ads, and your book sales across all the different media. So Google and Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon and all of that, and all of that, the, the whole kind of spectrum. And then gives you an idea of what you're spending and you know what the read through is and things like that. That's what PublishWide does. But I had a 14 day free trial 
and it, it just will not sync my data. It just stalls at 25%. I submitted a help desk ticket. I've had no response. I then got an email at the end of the uh, trial period saying, you, you know, let us know what you think. I let them know what I think and I've had no response. So it's almost like somebody's kind of left the site up live and just given up on it. That's what it feels like from my point of view. So now very reluctantly, I've switched it off and deleted all my data. It's hugely disappointing because it did look like that site was just what I was after. But um, from the lack of response that I've had, I could only assume that somebody set the site up. Maybe it wasn't uh, breaking even with the money, but they, they, they've left it up. It looks like they've left it up. You can still get involved with it, but there's just no one there. There's no one there to answer the support ticket. So nothing else I could do with that, unfortunately, which is very frustrating. I mentioned to you that I had put an application into Jericho Writers for their year-long course, the name of which, of course, I've forgotten. I've got the, um, it's UNWC is how they, how they refer to it. Let me just remind myself what UNWC stands for. I'm always terrible with, uh, with uh, these letters. Oh, the Ultimate Novel Writing Course. And I applied for this course and it was running or it is running from April 2023 to March 2024. And the reason I applied for the course is that, and it sells it like this, it's like an MA, but kind of without all the academic stuff. And, and the academic stuff is the bit that's making me a bit nervous about um, doing an MA course because the, the problem with academic courses, I know this because when I was a journalist, I worked with the University of Cumbria to validate a journalism course. So I was on the validation committee and I sat in on all those meetings uh, with a friend who was a newspaper journalist. And we, we were there as the kind of professional input. And I can remember sitting in on those validation committees and saying, you know, journalism is practical. I know you, uh, you've got, you know, they kept talking about academic rigor. And I said, yeah, but, you know, we need journalists who can do the job. It's all right having academic rigor. But from our point of view, if they can't do the job, then there's no point getting the degree. You know, so we've got to focus on the practical point. And that's, and that's always kind of my tension with academia. That I, I know that it's, you know, it's academic practice. I know that you've got to jump through certain hoops for them to validate the courses. But... You know, I'm not there for academic rigor. I got a degree. I was done with that years ago. Uh, I, I'm done with that. I don't. I don't need qualifications or any of that nonsense. This is solely about getting me to a position where I write a better book. That's what this is all about. I want to write a better book. Uh, when I told you about that ghostwriting experience I had and I got knocked back, I want to be putting things in to say competitions or like that ghostwriting thing. And I want people saying, you know, yes, yes, we're interested in this rather than, you know, no work needs to be done. That's the whole point of this is to get me from, you know, to push, as I said last week, to get me from that kind of 4.4 average review to 4.6 and above. And it's only two points, but it makes all the difference to me. To, to just get the quality up and the uh, the craft up because I don't want to just keep doing the same old thing. Something needs to move on and that pretty well is writing craft, I, I believe. So that's why I'm looking at these. Anyhow, I got accepted for that course. Um, in actual fact, th they'd emailed me about it a couple of weeks ago, but uh, for some reason I didn't, didn't see the email. Anyhow, they got back to me this week and said, you've got a place uh, on the course. 
But I said uh, to them, well, actually, I don't really want to do it in April. I had realised that you run an autumn course. I'd like to do the autumn course because I'm working on a trilogy and the trilogy will be done. Uh, it'll all be, you know, it'll be done, dusted, first draft, edited, second draft. Everything will be ready to go by the end of, well, probably by the end of August, but certainly by mid-September. And the course starts 25th of September, 2023. It's perfect timing for me. So they said, that's absolutely fine, but they have a different group of tutors in the autumn. And if they hate my writing sample, and if they hate my idea, well, I'll be knocked out again. I have to kind of compete again, which I said, I understand I'll have to compete and take the chances. Um, but I'm, I'm quite happy to do that. So the situation is now is I've bumped the Jericho writers thing to the autumn intake. So that basically the minute they open the doors for the autumn intake, my application goes into the tutors. I get to, you, you get to choose a tutor that you work with, you know, somebody who will resonate with your genre. So I, I obviously I need to make sure that I'm happy with the tutors that are there. And then if, if they're happy with me and I'm happy with them, we then kind of proceed. And if I did start that, it would start on the 25th of September. Now, the other reason that timing is perfect is because of course we also have the University of East Anglia I've got an offer at the University of East Anglia all lined up there so they're they're both perfect timing uh, as I knew the University of East Anglia was it's going to be towards the end of September that course starts possibly even first week of October I haven't got the term date yet but that's when it will start so I've got two possibilities lined up for autumn I get to clear the decks completely with the trilogy so it'll just when i launch it it'll just go release on the dates i won't do as you know if you listen to this podcast for any length of time i won't do any big launch parties or anything like that they'll literally get released i'll email my list and then i will start to sell them after they've been released so really when they become a, a box set that's really when i start to market and, and push them and, and make the sales on them I, I don't i don't like setting myself up for the big release thing don't have enough readers it's, you know, I won't. I won't do that. I'll just. They'll just release. They'll sell to whoever they sell to, and the marketing will almost be retrospective after they've released. Um, they could just drip out one by one. So that that works really well for me. I could then. They're both lined up then to make a final decision later on in the year. I don't have to make a final decision until later on in the year. I'll see how I feel later on in the year, and it will come at a time when I've cleared the decks for my trilogy, and then from that point on. If I go and do either of the courses, of course, I might not do either of the courses, but um, I, I, I'm fairly sure I will. Can I give you a percentage on that? Let's say 75% sure I'll do one of them or I'll do something from September. 75% sure. Because I, I really want to move on craft stuff. So from September, those three books will release in October, November, December and the box set in January. But I will be focusing entirely of the text that I write as part of that tuition. So I will, uh, both of the courses, the university course and the Jericho Writers course, the purpose of them is to work on a text that you workshop, that you get feedback on, that you go back and rewrite and improve. That, that's the purpose of the courses. And so at that point, that's the only text I'll be working on. I'll work on one text, much slower than I've ever worked on a text before. I'll keep sort of throwing it back into the ring, getting the critique on it, improving it, bringing it back. That's the point of these courses. So I won't be writing or publishing anything else. It'll be this text that I'm focusing on. So just to repeat then, 
Jericho writers is slated in to start 25th of September 2023 it runs till August 2024 if I do the University of East Anglia course it'll start about the same time end of September but that will run for two years part-time so again that's two things lined up I'll just wait and see how the year pans out and how I feel nearer the time as to which one I go for Let's move on to links to share then, and you'll find all the links I mentioned on this week's show notes, and you'll find those at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now let's do the obligatory Matthew J. Holmes slot first. He did a email, I think it was, on how to get a BookBub featured deal. It's an excellent article and it's free. I, I keep saying that, although I keep mentioning Matthew J. Holmes, you don't have to pay for anything. There's tons of free value there. Just get the free stuff. I, I really would like you to get the free stuff. It's entirely up to you whether you buy anything, but the free stuff is great. It's the best kind of free content I'm getting at the moment. So how to get a BookBub featured deal. We all know and love BookBub featured deals. So that link to that post will be on this week's show notes. And also something I just spotted this afternoon. He's done another one of these lovely Twitter posts I like where you get multiple points. And the theme of this multiple point Twitter post is the five steps I followed to increase book sales. There's some nice little tips in there as well. So I'll put a link on the show notes to the whole Twitter uh, feed of that, uh, that advice on increasing your book sales. I think I'm a little bit late with this and I don't know why I'm late to it, but the Red Heron latest podcast, it, it, I, I saw it this week but um, I'm sure it was dated a little while ago, so I'm not quite sure anyhow. It ended up in my feed late. Maybe I'd missed it. But um, Red Heron is the joint episodes that uh, Sasha Black and Rachel Heron record. And it's not Red Heron, it's Black Heron, isn't it? Yeah, it's Black. Why did I say Red Heron? It's, it's Black Heron, the Black Heron episode. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so the Black Heron, Sasha Black, Rachel Heron. <laughs> logically I don't know where I got that read from um, but they they do once a month an episode together where they just talk about writing stuff and it's great I love it it's really good very very interesting lots of insights uh, very truthful and, and honest insights the sort of stuff I love um, so I'm recommending that to you if you don't already listen and to save you hunting for it I'll put the direct link to the podcast episode on this week's show notes just a couple of links to share with you this week on the podcast a little bit of personal news. Uh, done a couple of uh, fun things this week. Going to see uh, the film 65 on Friday afternoon uh, as it comes out in my city. It's a good time to see it. Uh, I, I love I'm going to uh, an afternoon viewing. So the cinema will be dead quiet. Not, you know, no, no crunching of popcorn or, or noise. It'll be a nice quiet viewing. So that's great. So that's the film 65 and also we went for a walk around a park we've never been to in Carlisle on Thursday uh, took a couple of the kids and the last time we went to that park it's just one of these parks that's there but isn't sort of in my part of the city not that it's a big city but we just never really been there I've never been there and the last time my wife went our middle child was in a pushchair well we went with our middle child for the walk and my middle child is now taller than I am so that's how long it is since we've been but that was great it's a lovely park I didn't I didn't know it was there well sorry I knew it was there but I didn't know it was that good it's, it's a brilliant park it's got a big pond in the middle of it and everything so we'll be going back there but on a day that's less cold than when we went 
Okay, we finish off every week with healthy author updates. You can tune out at this stage if you're not interested in this stuff. That's the writing bits and pieces done for this week. So as ever, I did a 5K at Park Run on Saturday. I did the 5K at the Nature Reserve on Sunday. And for the second week running, we were out in the in the garden area having our teas and having our chats, which was great. I did a treadmill run on Tuesday and on Thursday. I'm toying up whether to do an extra nature reserve run on Friday. I probably won't this week, actually. I'll probably drop one because the weather looks like it's going to snow. If the weather's terrible, then it definitely won't be on. But I, I'm not doing a park run on Saturday. I'm only volunteering on Saturday because I've got a 10K race on Sunday. And I don't like to, if I've got a 10K on, I like to try and have a day off the day before. So I have a feeling it'll just be the 10K and no park run on Saturday this week. Um, but I also did two weights and stretching exercises on Monday and Wednesday immediately after my writing sessions. And, shock horror, I am looking at yoga and pilates sessions in Carlisle. I never thought I would see the day when I did this. I, it's funny, I used to do it with people on the radio. They used to come in and talk about pilates. I, this must be years ago, 19... When was I on the radio doing this? 1991, 92? Is that 30 years ago now? Oh, I am old. Is that 30 years ago? 20 years ago? Whatever it is, I can't do the maths when I'm talking. Um, 1992, and I can remember having people on the radio talking about Pilates and thinking, oh, this isn't for me, it's not my kind of thing. And then here I am, all these years later now, thinking, oh, Pilates are a bit of yoga, that's exactly what I need. So basically, it's about kind of, I want to do something with uh, stretching and some not and some weights but not heavy weights just light weights to to sort of stretch and, and and tone really just to keep you supple and fit i don't want to be doing big weightlifting or anything like that and uh, it looks like pilates is going to be the best way to do that or some forms of yoga so my wife and i have started investigating what is available locally and i think we're we're looking at it with a view maybe to going on a thursday and a friday where we're both available and, and sort of you know got a free day in front of us so watch this watch this space i'll let you know if that happens if you want to follow my healthy author updates and images when i post them you can take a look at paulteague.net forward slash run but that is it for this week's show thank you as ever very much for listening and i hope you have a great week of writing from me paul teague it's bye-bye for now